All right. Welcome to the KT Music Podcast. It's just going to be me today as I interview our special guest today, musician, father, photographer, sound psychologist. Welcome. Yes, thank it's you. It's great to have you on the podcast today. So one thing that we forgot about in the intro, though, this is episode five. Yeah, this is season a- one. Okay. Well, he's also the co-host <laughs> of our podcast, so he's uh, I, he's one step ahead of me today. It's great to have you on, Sound Psychologist. It's it's fun to be on. I haven't been interviewed in quite some time since your album Litmus. Yeah, that's true. So, what was that album like? I'm I, I'm actually curious. I I want to I want to first start to ebb our way back into before you had your kid and i just sort of want to i want because i know it was a whole different world i mean we're we're in your apartment you're living on your own yeah i mean i out of all our music friends really i'm the only person who lives off of my own sustenance yeah part of that sustenance is my music which is kind of crazy so yeah i did a release on detroit underground two and a half years ago now that's crazy Um, and it was a really big album for me because a, it was my first physical release. It came out on cassette. It's actually up on the bookshelf there. Um, and it was a lot of work. Like I put probably six months into that album and it was definitely like, and you said that this was your first physical release, first proper physical, probably I would consider this my first proper release like if someone asked me like what's your what would you consider like your first release this would be my and that's what you wanted one, out of yeah. the album i wanted it to, be one to be big one that you're known for one. sure known for and yeah i would definitely say that that succeeded i mean most people know me for that album now um but strangely enough that album was made right before alex yeah um and i was actually in college at that point and it was that happened during the transition of am I going to be an electrical engineer or a musician kind of that kind of weird life choice and I pretty much I was out West Shore and I was ended up in the piano practice rooms all day and I actually yeah. I would skip class every now and then because I would well not on purpose but I would get so sucked into it yeah practicing <laughs> and practicing and, and working on music so I would set my laptop up and I'd do recordings and a lot of litmus is actually there's a lot of piano samples in it that are very distorted and they don't sound at all like pianos, but there are almost all of them were recorded out there. Didn't you also do prepared piano and then they shut that down? They never shut it down. They never figured it out. Oh, okay. So, so how did you go about that? One of the that? songs, I can't actually remember what song it was anymore, but I did. They had upright pianos in there, like a Yamaha upright, and I took a bunch of like forks and screws <laughs> in my backpack. And very carefully, it was non destructive nothing, so no damage. So you intentionally had forks and screws in your backpack. I brought them on purpose. Yeah. yeah. And although normally I, there are probably are forks and screws in my bag. <laughs> I know. If <laughs> I know him, so I. I mean, I we're KT Music, so I. I've known you for a yes. while now. I mean, we've been yeah. hanging out really since middle school. If you think. No, about it. no. Not hanging out, but like we've but, been in yeah. a proximity. Since then, you've been Fre- aware my of freshman me. year. You invited me to this. Yeah, I mean, we've lived in the same small town, and Which essentially means if you're a nor- if you're someone who's 
any similar to someone else, you are aware of them. Somehow. Yeah, you're aware of them yeah. on some level. Like we invited you to that crazy party, and we like played outside in the middle of the night and stuff. But well, you always seem to me like you always had this. You were like the organizer. You know, you, you know what I mean? You were like the, the, the head of the, the mafia. Yeah. For a while. And then I think, I mean, I don't know. In middle school, I don't know. I was a new kid in middle school. And then in high Why? school, I moved here from Lansing. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. And I was like the new kid. And then I was, you know, and I had ADHD. So in middle school, it was like crazy. I was like just crazy in middle school. And then in high school, I started doing stuff. But then probably like my third year of high school or second year, I really started stepping back from everyone and focusing on music. Like yeah. Kyle was really the only person I hung out with and whoever I was dating at the time. But I would like, I didn't go to any events ever. I didn't hang out with anyone. They would have these like gaming parties and or, like board game parties. I just skipped all of them. And I would just so you were like sucked in. You were sucked. Yeah, in. I was. I would. I sacrificed almost all my time to do make working on music, and obviously it was something that I wanted to do. But and then I led up to Litmus. So to put it into perspective, that was like my last year of high school, and yeah, it was my last year of high school. I think that it was either my last year of high school or my first year of college, but pretty much. I just did more music and made that album instead of doing my classes. And that was why I was like, yeah, this is just so much more worth it. And I, I, I just felt very influenced at the time by music and the music I was making. And what do you mean by influenced? Like most of the stuff I did was music related and that yeah. drove most of my life at the time. And obviously I wasn't aware of that. I was going to be a father yeah and anything so like i mean that album was moving me towards moving to europe well you were slowly from what it seemed like you were slowly surrounding yourself just by music musicians i mean think about it you ran yeah. you ran your own label small two brand labels. records two yeah kiru kyra Kyra no, three Ky labels kyra records kyru, small yeah, brand records okay and uh, accelerate records okay xlrt i think it was yeah and then Smallburn Records is the only one that's really worth talking about. Tell, yeah, tell me about that one. So Smallburn was started by my dad in the 90s. Yeah, and, and then there it were actually some you, legit right? artists that worked with us Richard Devine, I think Jimmy Edgar, Kiro, definitely. And then my dad did shows with Mode Selector and Apparat and Venetian Snares and stuff. And that was all with his Smallburn label on Detroit Underground label. It was all kind of one crazy thing back then. So your dad was in the scene. Yeah, he was more in it graphically. Yeah, he I, was remember, into I remember the graphic arts and performing art side of it. Um, and then the label kind of withered out for a while. It was never dead. And then I was just like, well, I'm doing music. I might as well pick it up. He had a nasty old like 2000s web page, and I I whipped whip, ripped that offline and built my own that was much better. <laughs> And then started doing stuff on there. We had a roster of about seven artists that I managed for when I was in middle so school. So when did, in middle school? No, in high school, sorry. I was going to say. I was in high school. And it was weird because I was actually managing adults. Yeah. And I was in high school, which I never really thought Th about. That's really strange. And like uh, Emmanuel, who might watch this, he did, I think, a release or two on Small Brain. Yeah, you're, he's from I France. Think so yeah, he's from France. He's a really cool guy. We'll have to have him on the podcast for sure. He would do it. I, um, yeah, Mackenzie Gray, another really cool guy. 
Sila. He does like lo fi music. Nice. He did a release, I think, on it. And then me. And then I think we had some girl named like Dom Michelle. He did like funk or soul music. Well, I just remember this Facebook group chat. Yeah, that was fun. We had a group chat. We had because like it was very active. We had Matt. So- we had Matt Baxley on there. Moot Buxel, who is oh, yeah. Behringer's like synth demo guy and does yeah. a bunch of funk. He's a super cool guy. I've 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 listened to music from him. He's good. We had he was in the group chat and stuff. Nice. He was really active. It was it was a great environment and it's crazy like thinking back on it. Wow, I was like sixteen, seventeen years old and you were leading a, a community yeah definitely I, I mean i helped stuff get up i made, made a web page for it this was back before i was using like squarespace so all the pages were hand coded by me so i did yeah. it was all html and like i CSS. mean there's a lot of work in a lot of ways you took all you took very many things from scratch i was reading the liner notes of your litmus <laughs> i mean oh, you man, talk about how you were this like one of one of them was like the baseline at 120 of a song was your cat. Yeah, there's or, a lot of weird stuff in that. That's that album was intense. Well, they, they were well, they were called uh, liner notes for your dad. Oh, that was yeah, that was a really fun concept I did. It was I it just explained each album to my dad, and I just recorded the transcript of it, and that's what I just used. You also put them in Japanese much. and Korean, or they were called like sound psychologist tips. I don't remember much of what I wrote for those, but. They're, they're probably interesting. Did you translate any of them? I translated one of them on your SoundCloud, which tra- it was something about describing what this the role of the sound psychologist. It was like yeah, the sound psychologist is supposed to, you know. In, I went in through the- several iterations of what I wanted myself to be known as, and then I pretty much just, just settled down. I am what I am. Like I don't really. I'm yeah. not gonna. I'm not gonna come up with like description for what the sound yeah you don't need it doesn't need to be contrived but you were doing so many things like yeah i from what i can sense of what you've done you've connected so many people and you've started so many things from the ground up with your label yeah i mean i definitely think something I, i like doing more than anything is connecting people yeah whether it's me to other people through my music or me connecting other people through a group kind of deal. Um, like, I mean, I connected us yeah. and I hooked us up with some of the stuff we do and stuff, which is kind of cool. And I don't know. I like, I like that kind of, I, mean, I, I always just do so much probably to a fault because yeah. oftentimes if I'm overwhelmed or I'm like in a bad place, it's often because I'm doing too much. Have you, how have you found the role of, your productivity and doing things how how do you think that's changed like was it like you were distracting because i know you've told me that for maybe one concept for a song you would stay up until this time or you only listen to one song for like a month wasn't that for edm sucks because i I think i think you've you've taken a lot of you've done a a lot of experiments yeah and i think your lifestyle has changed yeah, my lifestyle, I mean, now versus three years ago is so vastly different. I mean, yeah, so for, I think it was either, I think it might have been for Litmus. A lot of preparation went into Litmus, more than I think Kiro knew, because, I mean, I put a lot of work into that album. Um, but I think during the making of it, during the lead-up, like, the inception of the album, I wanted to make my mind as void of music as possible so i only let myself listen to pandarecki threnody for the victims of hiroshima 
which is a, not hard to listen to, but hard to listen to in the sense of it's very different and it's not like any of the other music I listen to. Like if you're not in the mood for it. Yeah, you're but not if ready. that's the only thing I can listen to, it's like, okay. <laughs> Often I would just not listen to music, which as, if anyone knows me, I'm always listening to music like all the time. Um, so I, I tried to, pro- and it really worked. And I mean, when I sat down to work on music, it was just so fresh. It was like, finally, I can listen to what I want to make. You know, it's yeah. like when I'm making, an, oh yeah, so I could, I could listen to that, or I could only listen to music I'm, I had made Okay. during that time. So I couldn't listen to my old stuff, but only stuff I would, like if I wanted to hear a, a, a track, I would have to make it and listen to it, which was, it was a definitely intense because I listened to a lot of music. It was like drug withdrawal or something, which I've, I've never, I don't, I've never really had that, but I mean, I imagine that it was similar Yeah. because it was, it was tough. I mean, I deleted Spotify and all that stuff. So, really? Yeah, I, I had nothing on my phone other than the MP3 of the song. I couldn't listen to anything else. <laughs> it was it was hard. Oh it my god! It was really hard. Like in, like when I was in the car, I was I was intense about it. Like when I was in the car, my mom would be like, "Turn the music off," and I'd be like, "I can't listen to anything." She, she didn't listen to much in the car though, and I usually put the music on, so it wasn't that intense. But like, if there were people listening to music, I would just put headphones on, and either listen to nothing or like white noise. But I mean, it was it was good. It was worth it. I'd say, it was a good album. But it was definitely like a turning point in music. To it showed me like, wow, if I really work hard, hard, and make the thing I want to see materialize, then it's it is what I'm anticipating. So yeah, now, like you, when I see a, a song idea, I can chase that and follow it. And is and when I find it and when I work it through, it's what I'm anticipating. Yeah. And it's like, that's powerful. Because I mean, to know that you can make the music you want, technically and conceptually, when you when you have the what's it called, the confidence that yeah, I can make that song, then you it's like really nice. Because I mean, if you listen to the newest release I've had, which is like a little EP jungle EP. Yeah. That's different than anything I've ever released. It's like Rhodes and Clav with like electronic drums and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the stuff I'm working on right now Very is different. totally different from Very anything different. I've ever done. And I think that that's something I've always tried to embody as sound psychologist. I mean, something that's also in the works. And the only place you'll figure this out is from the podcast is I've been working on slowly over the last like two years as well is just an uh, acoustic environment recordings album. And I did recordings up in the UP for it. And I've got some from the apartment at my parents' mm-hmm. house and stuff just have like 20 minutes of stereo recordings of different spaces. I have one from the shed studio as well. And I'm just going to release that as like an album of just these different places. You can put it in and then just like read or something. And I do that Sit, a lot. And you can just be there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> so two years sort of went by past this litmus mm-hmm. and you sort of saw the light at the end of the tunnel when you, like what you said, when you put work, when you started to really put work into this album. This new started, one? Or no, Litmus. Litmus, okay. You started to really see that you can do, you can really manifest what what you want out of your music. And then 
you had a kid. Yeah. That was big. You, you can ask me a question about it, or do you want me to just talk about it? Talk about it. <laughs> so, um, at the time, I was trying to think timeline-wise. Litmus came out, and then over the course of like the next few months or something, I can't remember when Litmus came out date-wise, but I was essentially going on like a small tour of Upper Michigan area and Lettington, mostly. Um, and I had a show at LACA, which is like the biggest venue in the area, by far one of the coolest venues even including like big proper venues, one of my favorite venues, just because it's so unique. It's an old church hall. Yeah. And it, I, we had, I've been working on it since Litmus came out, essentially. Crazy Maximus P visuals. I mean, we had access to like crazy projectors. And, like it was yeah. a proper, proper show. And we had like a sound guy and stuff. It was good. And the night before, my girlfriend, ex girlfriend at the time, because I was going to be moving to Europe. And we decided it would be best to not date while I moved, just for long like, distances. Yeah, hard. it's just it's just never never works. So we were taking a break, and she was like, "Hey, we went out to dinner. We were setting up. I had the whole band uh, opening act at the LACA, and they were all doing their run-throughs. And Jessica was like, "Hey, you gotta meet me over there. I was late because I was like, she probably just wants. To, I don't know. I don't know what she wanted. And then Kyle was like, she's probably gonna tell you you're pregnant, and like as a joke. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, right. And then I, I we go over there and I'm like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm late. And then she pulls out the, the um, what's it called, the ultrasound images. And he's like, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, wow. I was really happy. Like I was never a negative thing. I mean, I really love Jessica, and yeah. I wouldn't be with anyone else. And I was intending on dating her again when she graduated. I was gonna have her fly out to London and move in with me. So it was like, wow, okay. I guess fate didn't want me to break up with Jessica. <laughs> and this is the only way because crazy story and this is totally true um and I, I think everyone who knows me has heard this story uh i've been moving planning on moving to bristol for months like go, pretty much going inside with all this music work and stuff i had picked out an apartment in bristol i had gotten everything lined up the evening of that show the money i was getting paid for that show was going to be the down payment for the first few months of living there including the ticket so if Jessica had waited a few more hours, I would have been booked on a one-way flight and had paid the first month, few months of rent and like living expenses in Bristol. And so like I couldn't have timed out better, because I mean like literally I would have been flying out like I think it was like five days after that. So if she had waited, like if she had been like, yeah, I'm gonna wait a week. And tell him and you, I would have been gone. I would have been in a different place in the world. And she would have. I would have had a new cell phone number. I was breaking off everything. Like, I was cutting. You just want. You wanted a fresh start. I just wanted a fresh start. Obviously, my parents and Kyle. I was gonna, you know, tell them I was getting a new number. But like everyone else that I knew, I mean, we would have never really. We would have never met, and it would have just been. It would have been a very different thing. I had a. Co- I had lined up some friends over there. Do you feel like that kind of ambition has continued throughout? It definitely didn't go away. Because I, yeah, I, because I, one thing has been working with you, you're, you're, you always set your sights high above the moon. Anyone who gets anywhere is definitely not picturing getting to a smaller place. Yeah. You ask someone like Aphex Twin, were you planning on getting somewhere big? They're like, I definitely wasn't planning on getting somewhere small. Yeah. You know, it's like, if you don't picture trying to get to the biggest place that you want to be, 
if you don't picture getting your, to where you want to be, you know, why would you, why would you have dreams about something you don't really want to dream about? Yeah. So to me, it was like, I, I wanted to live in London. I just wanted to be immersed in the music scene in the scene that I really loved. And that was it. So I was like, I'm just going to go, I'm going to leave everything, take my chances with whatever money I had and just do it, you know, gig and work as a janitor if I needed to. And it probably would have worked out. I mean, yeah. it wouldn't have been as relaxing as my life is now, but it would have definitely been something. And I don't regret not being able to do it at all in any sense. Like I don't ever think like, man, I wish I didn't have Alex, you know, yeah. I, I genuinely don't. I don't make myself not because I mean, I'm really happy with where I am now. Yeah. Very happy. I'm much more stable, but having a kid. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that that event was definitely a big change for your personality. People, and Well, I mean, like my friend Hunter, I was hanging out with in middle school and high school. He wasn't like close to me. He knew he knew me. He knew the high school, middle school me. Yeah. We, we hung out recently over the last few months and he was like, dude, you're a totally different person. Like you really like change for the better and yeah. stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you have to, you know, it's like when you're in high school, middle school, you're not ready to be a parent. So the only, no. way, only thing you can do is, is to change. This microphone's blocking my face. I just realized. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> is to change. But yeah. I think it made a great foundation for, for what you're doing now. I mean, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I didn't really know how to work hard properly before that. Like I did, but I didn't know how to like really just give up everything to do something. Like I dropped pretty much everything to raise Alex with Jessica, including going back to college, which was like something I did not want to do. (laughs) But I, I thought it would be worth it. And it's like, I learned a lot from that experience. So, and it's still going on. Like Alex is, definitely still a lot of work <laughs> oh yeah i mean she's two now yeah over two years old and she's a lot of energy so what have you been able to take from raising a kid into your musical life or even just, you know well the first bit is obviously since i do a lot of stuff creatively i have i, mean, I usually have a minimum of three projects going on regardless of what's going on yeah time became a very different thing Mm -hmm. relativity i mean before alex thinking about it now makes me almost like damn but i would have hours yeah i would go to the studio my parents shed that i built into a studio for about six hours a day and i wouldn't get that much done Mm -hmm. and it was okay but now i get a couple hours in the studio every week maybe Mm -hmm. and i get a lot done you know what I mean? Like I get down there and I'll do two songs. Yeah. A session versus I go up to the studio with my parents. It would be a song a week, maybe mm-hmm. like a proper song. I would do a recording every day or whatever, but it, it was the, the quality is much higher because I don't get much time. So I really stepped up my time management. That was the biggest thing the was just being, I don't know, really just being mature and like I have stuff to do. I pay the taxes. I have to make enough money to pay bills and monthly rent, which means I can't just not work a job or make income somehow. But it really just made things real, which means music had to occupy a real position. I couldn't I mean, just be fun. That this sort of feat for any musician 
anyone who wants to make music and anyone who wants to be their own person and be sustainable for themselves, it, I'm sure it isn't easy. Yeah. And I think, I think you offer a lot of practical tools because you're doing it to yeah. people who are in your position. I, I think that's what I'd like to always give people, like by running a label and doing all that kind of stuff. I was always like, I, I can do stuff that I've noticed a lot of people can't energy wise, productivity well, wise. You're and just stuff. like a jack of all trades. You can do a website. You can fix synths. You yeah, know, you can. You can be a leader if you want to be. You can run that. You, you know, you can run a label. Yeah. There's and I think there's a lot of soft skills that I think you've developed. That is very like, take me for example, if I, there's a lot of things that I have not done myself because I know that you're capable of doing it and you could do it. Yeah. You could do what I would try to do in hours in a couple minutes. Yeah. And honestly, sometimes I think about it. I'm like, how am I able to do these things? All of them. Yeah. Like I d I'm sure there are many people who can do what I can do. Because, you know, like there's so many people in the world, yeah. but it's like I can sit down and I'll program like touch designer visuals that are interlaced with Ableton and they look good and they're like optimized for projectors and live screens and stuff. And yeah. then I'll make music and then I'll also be building a 3D printer and design synth parts and film development machines. And it's like maybe all my stuff's not good. Maybe it's all just decent, but because I do so much, people are like, wow, wow, you do that stuff. But I, but then I sit down and I listen to my music and I'm like, no, that's pretty good though. Some, you know, sometimes obviously not all my stuff is very good, but it doesn't, you know, I don't know. It's crazy how many things you can do. And I think, I think a big part of it is I just, I told myself I can do it. Like, I know a lot of people like, I'm not going to name names, who they just, they just don't know if they can do everything. And I'm like, dude, you can just do it your brain is so powerful. Like just do it. Like, yeah. I mean, I do two big at the moment. My two big things are I do music production. I'm doing web design professionally right now this evening. I'm working as a web designer yeah. and I'm getting paid enough money to pay all my bills from that. And I also do professional photography enough money to pay my bills again. And it's like, those are all very different things. Yeah. Yet I'm doing them professionally. I mean, that's, that's, that's like what makes, freelance entrepreneur entrepreneurs yeah, and, and like, i haven't worked a job in like two years it's like so a weird job yeah. it's weird to know? consider how many it's weird to consider oh god i just forgot what i was gonna say do you have any questions you wanted to ask well, move through your questions. Okay. So <laughs> when you think of the word successful, who's the first person that comes to mind? It's a tough question because probably my friend Dave, my dad's friend, Dave Roseman. Okay. He's not someone that I normally talk about or talk to, but he's just this old guy who's Probably he was a he's a, he was a neurosurgeon, one of the nicest people I have ever met. When I was in middle school, he took me to this workshop. He had a three D printer. 
he would repair massive yachts and he was retired obviously and he also had access to like crazy tools and we built a carbon fiber longboard that i designed that could hold hundreds of pounds and it was like laminated cross laminated with a bunch of different wood and carbon fiber using a vacuum forming machine and stuff and he just took me under his wing and he was just super cool like super humble like one of the nicest guys i'd ever met and then i saw his house and it was the most insane house I'd ever seen. It was custom designed, had a lap pool and a hot tub inside with like aim. It was just beautiful. And I was just like, how do you get to this spot where he could just give all this time to other people? And just, he had all these friends that were old guys as well. And they were all so nice. Like they all just hung out together and did whatever they wanted. Usually it was like, it was good things Like they would run a workshop sure. and they would bring kids from the local high school and they could use it. And like there was 3d printers, milling machines, like crazy stuff that wow. I had never had access to. And they were, none of it was ever, there was no money, nothing other than like here, unlimited access. And it would just go out of their way to work with you. And like, they would bring me up and show me all the different crazy laminates of wood to use on the stuff. Just super nice guys. Wow. And like they drove like sports cars and there, I mean like I can't, I don't, I don't know how to explain how nice his house was. It was waterfront property as well Oh, on top of that. And it was literally custom built and it was beautiful. Like beautiful. <laughs> I don't really know how to explain it other than that, but like that's what I picture when I picture success is being nice and having what you want. Yeah being able to appreciate the the things around you that you've definitely catered I mean, to, for yourself. I think it's important to be able to enjoy life. Yeah. And I think, you know, there are some people in my family, I can't, I don't want to name names in case they listen to it. They don't think it's a good idea to have a lot of money, Yeah, but I do. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Like, I know. If I, know I have a lot of money, then I can go take Alex to, to music concerts you can you can i can do so really live a full life and as long as life. i get that money in a non-immoral way i don't think it's bad to have a lot of money no you know? if i trade stocks it's not immoral no if i'm gonna you know and especially if i am an inventor like right now i've got i don't want to say it publicly but i've got an invention that i'm getting patented that's being sold to a company and it'll probably make me some amount of money and that's not a moral. And if that makes me lots of money, then it's not, it's not, I think it's, it's a matter of how you see yourself. Cause and what you do with the, and what, power. yeah. Well, cool. Cause you got to think even, even the notion of something that it's, you just, des- I don't even think it's a matter of deserving something because when you don't deserve something, but you work for it, you are, you're not entitled, but you earn, yeah. you earn what you work for. Definitely. I mean, in, I, in, in a way that, and I wish you know, that it's not always transactional, but in a lot of ways, when you want to work hard, yeah, it will manifest or when you work hard, when you, yeah. Cause I don't always want to work hard. Yeah. That's it's not, yeah. Hard. It's not a matter of want. It's a rather just a matter of doing. Yeah. It's hard. Everything's hard work. Yes. And I do, I do see why some people think about like money and it's like, it's evil because I mean, money uh, it definitely isn't inherently good. Yeah. What's what's something that you believe that other people think is insane? Probably like I said earlier that I can that you can learn as many things as you want. Concept wise, like 
the amount of things you can know is infinite, yeah. I think. I really think it verging on infinite. The, but yeah, our potential Your to potential, actually. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because if you don't know it, you can learn it. And I think that's that's such a flip of the switch. That's such a flip of the switch for people because mm-hmm. then it puts the ball in their court. Yeah, I mean, you're always fighting hold- yourself. You're never fighting other people. Because I mean, it, it sounds harsh, but even people in like third world countries who would live in absolute horrible chaos, it's like you're still only fighting yourself. If you I mean it's, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? What kind of alarm is that? That's my ringtone. Oh my god. That was absolutely devilish. That was. It gets me to answer the phone, though. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? I can't remember. Talking about being able to learn anything. and Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you can learn anything. I mean, you really, holds, really can. It holds you because accountable. Because what I mean, like, when people think, oh, you're going to forget everything, but then you can relearn it. You can always learn something new. Like, if I want, like, for example, I don't know Cyrillic anymore. I could pick it up again. And that's a code for that's Cyrillic is the Russian text. Yeah. The font. And that's just like, I don't know how to pronounce it right now. Yeah. But if I looked at it for a few minutes to 15 minutes then I could, you Mm. know what I mean? Like your brain has little residue of info. So if you, I mean, you can learn anything if you don't know something. I mean, I have met people and it blows my mind and that are like, I want to do this, but I don't know how. And that's it. And I'm like, dude, just learn how to do it. It's so, it's so, it's not easy to learn things, but like, it's easy because all you have to do is learn it. No matter how long it takes. No matter how long it takes. If, I mean, life is so long. If you think about it, like, yeah, if we've only known each other. Do, we've only been working together for about a year. And look how much we've done. We've done a lot of things. Like, life is so long. I mean... And I've been alive for 21 of those years, 21 times that time. And I'm, I've still probably got a lot of years left. Yeah. And think about if you're lucky, think about, yeah. Think about what we could do at this rate in 15 years. It's like, it's, it's it's just not stopping. It's it's so strange to see just everything flow and no matter what you do or no matter how many mistakes you make, it just still flows. Yeah, definitely. And you always, I mean, I think one thing that makes me very bullish on your rise as a musician is your barrage of optimism that just always comes back. You know what I mean? If you just look at me throughout my whole life, that's always probably been a part of it. Where do you think that came from? The biggest I really part don't it. know. And sometimes I'm like, I, sometimes I'm really surprised that it like some na- bad, bad stuff has happened to me and yeah. I've done some bad stuff and things have happened to me and stuff and situations that have been rough, but I've always just been like, I've always had that positivity. I mean, you grew up I, in Lansing and in Lansing I, wasn't, I mean, my, I definitely didn't have the, a tough okay. life. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, my parents were always resourceful and I had, I mean, my parents are still together 
and they're very, I'm on good terms with them, which alone is more than a lot of people have. Yeah, you know, the, I mean, you've, yeah, kind of people that, that don't talk to their parents That's, when they move that out. That must be really hard. Yeah, and I mean, so I'm definitely fortunate. I, I don't know. I would, I would definitely credit a lot of it to a good childhood. Yeah. My parents have always said, like, you know, you can do anything. But then when I told them I wanted to do music, they're like, yeah, well, maybe some. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, things like that, just, like, no one ever said to me, you can't do that. Yeah. You can't do this and that. And I think I just took that as, like, okay, well, I can do anything. And then no one ever told me I couldn't. And the people who did, I could tell that they were, like, stupid. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, so. Well, yeah. In that sense, I, don't, I, I really, but still sometimes I don't know. Like, I'll get up some mornings and something something will happen. Like, I'm not, I have the rent's overdue or something like that, which actually hasn't happened. But, like, bills will be due and I'm like, this sucks. But then I always just find more drive to, you know, like, if I have to sell something to make some more money. Yeah. I always find a way to do stuff. I guess, I mean, I've just always found ways to make things happen. I've never been shorthanded in anything because I don't really let myself. You know, I, I always know there's something. And at you the always work, know there's a way. Be, I, th- I think it's so hard because what you said about someone telling you you can't do something, that very well has happened in many other, like... Yeah, I mean... I think we... we I mean, we are an outlier in, in some weird, oh, definitely, you know, I mean, some of my friends in high school, they just thought they couldn't do anything. They really thought they couldn't do anything. And for me, I, I tried my hardest to make them think, know that they could, but some people just get that thought in their head where they're just like, I can't do this. I mean, I, of course it happens to me occasionally where like, I can't do this, but honestly, not for more but than it's like more an of a, hour. I can't do this for now. Yeah, I, I can't do this today is what I tell myself. Yeah. But I can tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. If if you can't do something today, just do it later. You know? I feel like th- this is like, um. we're like, what that, what's that? What, uh, David Goggins, you know who that is? No. He's in the, he's like. Motivational. Motivational. Army. <laughs> he's like, just do it. You know, like Shia LaBeouf. I, I would but like it's, to but it's say, such a powerful... I would like to keep, I, I've always thought of myself as a motivational speaker. Yeah. But to my only people I know. Yeah. I wouldn't go out and motivate people I don't know. Yeah. The people I know, I always try to... Nothing makes me happier than seeing my friends succeed. Yeah. Truly. Like, if, if I see my friends... Like, someone like Nathaniel, mm-hmm. when I see him do something really cool that I've helped him do, like, when I see him put up those Instagram posts of the pictures I took of him, he gets a ton of likes, and he's really thrilled about it and, like, just energized. I'm like, I'm so happy I managed to make that happen as well. Yeah. Like that makes me really happy, and seeing you finally get a release on Spotify, yeah, that's like cool. after years, that made me. Well, really I happy. put all. I used to have this whole. Yeah, dump but you of... never got anything that you really wanted up on Spotify, yeah. and you never had the Candice Sparrow release, and to finally help facilitate that and to get that actually technically just up, that felt so good for me. Even I mean, I can't imagine how good it felt for you, but like, just to see my friends do stuff and my family, like to see Jessica get through her homework when i can help her and stuff that's that makes me happy just as happy maybe happier than doing my own stuff yeah which is probably why i liked running a label yeah and i essentially i kind of run one now which is kind of kt music which is us but it's also kind of like a label it's we different have, it's, some, it's yeah. some weird 
music related i mean KT, i can even talk about kt music because that's a project in and of itself yeah definitely. So it it was january of is this new year's yeah i'd we say new a, year's was the start of it new year's was the real start and essentially we came up with a set of rules for ourselves which yeah. we still we we've internalized them i'd I don't, say yeah i don't we don't talk about don't, them but it was something that we talked yeah i think what there was like qualities responsibility um no, no negative. nothing negative make music to make music which i think we edited that one, that one i think we brought that one out but that was one of the original ones yeah and then now it's like be happy i think it is you'll be yourself be yourself authentic. and be happy be authentic but that's just basic kind of rules and it we, we we think about those whenever we do. I think about them on my own when I'm doing stuff. They're really basic, but like they can be powerful. Yeah, but I mean, just to say that these rules drive our group. Why is it OBS keep quitting? Dang. What are your morning rituals? <laughs> oh man. What, so, what do the first sixty minutes of your day look like? First 60 minutes of my day are very planned out. Except for when Alex gets up and I have to extend them. Usually I get up at 6 in the morning or 5.50. I go to the bathroom. I write a morning page of all, everything that's on my mind. Then immediately after I go for a run for four miles. Usually that's about the first hour. And then I get back and then either Alex is up or I she wakes up because I'm loud. <laughs> and then I do the dishes, get Jessica coffee... And then that that and then that usually gets my day started pretty well. I mean, for me though, the morning time is so important for me because if I don't get my head right by the time Jessica's up, it's gonna be a bad day. If I'm not motivated by the time I have to interact with Jessica and Alex, it's hard to get the motivation after the fact. Some I can get it, but it's a lot easier if I have that really good that ritual morning. Yeah. And when I stick to that routine, like when I get up at six. And I just go for a run. I just, it's like a, it's like a recipe for success for me. And I did that today. And I mean, the amount of stuff I've done, I feel destroyed because of how much I've done today. Yeah. But I did a lot. And that makes me feel like, yeah, tonight I'm going to unwind and that's fine because I have nothing else I have to do today. Do you like that separation or? Separation of? Well, not separation, but rather sort of loading a lot of things into one shorter period and then i do i like to be able to relax i mean that can, I can that relax. can be seen as actually you know working but you're working in a different way on your own definitely i mean you're i like to split my to... time up into what i have to do versus what i want to do versus what i don't have to do at all like that'd be like smoking weed yeah would be like last priority yeah like if i get everything done only then will i smoke something yeah or have a drink. I might have a drink if I'm doing like web design, but stuff like that, I make myself earn it. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, I've done it before and not earned it, kind of, or quote unquote earned it. I just feel anxious. Yeah. I really cannot relax anymore unless I get stuff done. And by getting that separation from me, just. Do you that, think that just keeps you on your feet as something that you have I to? I have a lot of energy yeah. as ADHD. I, I don't really get distracted as much, kind of, but not really as much. I just have a bunch of energy. And if I don't do stuff intensely, like it makes me feel good 
to do you know do the dishes and then immediately go do this and that and then go do this and that and then this and then this and then this and then this yeah. and then by the end of the day when I have nothing to do all my energy's gone and then it's like okay that's fine and I think I like to live my life in a way that feels natural yeah so in the evening when I've done hard work I feel relaxed and then then I relax yeah. and it's like okay it's simple it could, life can be simple if you work to make it simple I mean, obviously, you can keep it simple, but then you're just going to have a simple life. Which isn't a bad thing. No, if, not if, in if any, you wanna, any way. You know, if you want to it, make $20,000 a year working at a gas station. You can even make $0 a year and live off the land. Yeah. I know people that moved to the outskirts of England and live off their live off the sustenance. Absolutely, completely off Damn. the grid. I haven't had contact with them because they moved off the grid, but yeah, like you can do that. There's, I mean, just, just like you said, you can do anything. Yeah, really. that's what you have, you know. You have. To, I think people just need to be aware of, they need to have realistic expectations. If your expectations aren't realistic, then you're not going to have a very good life. Yeah. I mean, I have is, high goals. Yeah. Like, I want to be but, yeah. high up, but I mean, my realistic uh, expression is I'm probably not going to get there anytime soon. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. And I think that's that's... People, I mean, wanting it too fast is always the vulnerability. Just be patient. If I could give anyone advice, it's just be patient with everything. Yeah. Progress is progress. It does not matter how big or small. As long as it's towards the direction. All right. I got another question for you. Okay. What topic would you speak about if you were asked to give a TED Talk... On something outside of your main area of expertise. Well, there's two things. <laughs> One of them would be drugs. Okay. Because I'm not a I'm not a doctor or anything, but I'd be talking about like like I could just go on about how coffee is just as much of a drug as LSD. Yeah. I I'm that not because I love LSD or anything. Or coffee, just because I find it crazy that caffeine is just as much of a psychoactive. Not it just does a very different thing. Don't get me wrong, but it's still a drug. I've, and people consume that every day. It's but crazy. LSD just it really as much. It, it's still a drug, and it's just as you know, it's a little molecule. But people freak out about that one, and I don't, I, I don't care. I don't have like a weird stance on anything. But like I just find that topic crazy, and like yeah. like weed and stuff, and the way weed is moving towards coffee like you can go out and buy it and smoke it legally yeah. and you can go out and drink coffee legally and, it, and you know you extend that and you maybe cocaine will be like that someday i really don't know it, it what, seriously could be what about that interest i, I mean because that's it's a change in your state it interests it's, me because i smoke weed and yeah. drink coffee yeah because they're a part of your life they are and for a little while i mean this has changed drastically over the last like year Weed was always something I was like, oh, I got to be really careful with it. I still am really careful with it, but I, it has its place now. Yeah. And as long as I keep it in the box, I keep it in. It's fine. Like I used to have You set your habits. parameters for it. Yeah. Because otherwise smoke. the tool takes over you. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I don't follow my rules with weed, I'll have a very unproductive day. Yeah. Over the next few days. Cause like. That sucks. Yeah. If I smoke in the wrong way, if I don't pretty much, if I don't exercise and get all my stuff done and get a good sleep and drink enough water, I will feel like low energy for like 48 hours from it. 
Wow. Com- like completely. Like if I, like tonight when I smoke, if I don't dr- get as good sleep tonight and run tomorrow morning, I'm going to be like dead tomorrow. Yeah. But if I, but I found out that if I just get up and run, I ha- I feel amazing. Like truly amazing. You know, I remember you saying, it was talking about, um, metabolizing something about your body metabolizing. Yeah. The more you exercise, the higher your metabolism is. Yeah. Like you you can change your metabolism slowly, but like I, I exercise a lot more and I've been losing a lot of weight yeah. and I haven't changed my diets changed a little bit, but not a ton, but I've just, my metabolism has been getting better and I've just been a lot more active and I feel better. How do you think that's impacted yourself as sound psychologist? <laughs> I mean, sound psychologist, I'd like to be, the personality of sound psychologist thing is someone who helps people and you can't help people until you can help yourself. Like that's you just true. can't that's because such, I mean, you might have the right a powerful message. I think so many people need to hear that. I mean, you can give people advice, but if you, if you're like a fat slob and you're telling someone, you just go to run, bro, you could be healthy. No one's going to listen to you. Therefore you can't help them. But if you're really freaking fit and you're ripped and you're like doing what you want to do and you like your life and you tell someone something, they're going to listen. Because you know? you're doing, if you're, you're driving a Lamborghini example. and you're like, yeah, you just run. That's <laughs> yeah, the secret. They're going to be like, see all okay, the mo- okay, I'll run. You know, I mean, you like, see all the motivational, I mean, it's not like David Goggins is a fat, pounds. nasty slob. Yeah, you <laughs> wow. can't, you have to yeah. walk the walk. Yeah, you do. You know, I, I, before, I couldn't. Before you talk, the talk. Yeah, and, I, and something I tra- probably changed as well in the last years. I try not to give advice that I don't follow anymore. That's very powerful. I really don't. Even if the advice I know would help someone, I'm not going to give it unless I follow it anymore. Because it, I've done that before, and it just it goes bad because people are like, but you don't do that. Yeah. And then it puts me in this weird box where it's like, then they're not going to follow it. Or taking it's your own weird. Me- it's it's like, all about taking your own medicine. Yeah, exactly. And like, especially with like weed, and I'm I, I, I now that it has its place, I can talk about it and not feel weird like. I, I, before I would maybe be like, yeah, you know, do this and this, you know, just don't do this with it. And it's like, yeah, but I still have bad habits. So yeah. I don't know. But I mean, especially with Alex, cause she's going to be growing up in an area where weed's legal. Yeah. And she, I want to be able to know what's healthy for her. And mm-hmm. I mean, if I didn't know, I, I wouldn't be able to help her. Yeah. But I mean, it's a, it's a nice part of my life and I want her to be able to enjoy that safely. So by knowing what's healthy, I can, when she's old enough, be like, yeah, you know, as long as it just, you know, do this and this and it'll be healthy. Pretty much just got to exercise and it's fine to stay motivated because we definitely takes away your motivation, but that's okay if you're really motivated and you use it when you need to chill in the evening. Yeah. yeah. Like for me, there's a lot of, there's a lot of balancing. Mm-hmm. Like these days, the biggest frustration for me, and this is something I, I'm really glad that this is my struggle is turning myself off in the evenings yeah. to go to bed. Before I couldn't sleep because I had so much I'd do, and sometimes I'd be like, I have too much energy. I would come out and start working on a project, and something because I was like, I have, I have so much stuff I, I I can do or I need to do or whatever, and that would keep me up. But now I'm just like, you know what? I'm done for the day, and that's I've been more productive by that's, just saying I'm done for the day. That's powerful. I'm just done because you I, can't, there, it's, there's it's better to just stop. There's this whole hustle culture that I think drives. Well, I mean, people. I still definitely hustle, but like. Well, it's I, better I, to I think hustle at a way higher effective rate yeah. than it is to hustle way more. Or I guess you could say... Quality over quantity. I guess you could say it's equal. You could hustle all day and all night, or you could hustle really good yeah. for part of the day and then just relax. 
Because, I mean, that'll be the same. <laughs> Which one sounds better? You know? Yeah. Like, it seems like an easy option when you think about it that way. Yeah. And I mean, life, people make life so much harder than it needs to be sometimes. Because I really think people just need to be happy. Like, if you're doing stuff and you're not happy, why the hell are you doing it? Like, especially with, like, I talk to people who are going to college and they're like, yeah, this stuff. And I'm like, I don't really like it. I'm like, why the hell are you doing it? Why? Are you gonna, it's not going to make you happier when you're finally there. And I know people who that's been the case. Like People are afraid to try things. Well, I think people are afraid to just be themselves. Like me, I, I'm really happy when I just play music mm-hmm. or when I'm working on something that I really like enjoy, like creating stuff. I'm just happy when I'm creating things. And creating things is a sustainable way of life, obviously. And people will be surprised about, you know, if it makes you happy, just do it. I think you're more of a creative than you are a musician. Yeah, and obviously those two are connected. Yeah. Very, very. I would, I I would think class myself. Creative embodies musician because creating yeah. is creating. Creating music. Anything, yeah. which includes music. Which That's is, nice. I mean, in a lot of ways, we're all creatives, but. I would say everyone is a creative person yeah. in the whole world. Yeah. But I mean, some, I don't know. I, I could talk a lot about how culture isn't, society isn't aimed towards supporting creative people. Yeah. And a lot of creative people are the ones that are suffering because of society's rules. Because society does not help you become a classical musician. No. It does not. And if that's your purpose on earth, that sucks for you. It, that's really the short end of it. It's like someone like me, if I, or no, someone like you, yeah. who just wants to play piano, society does not support that. <laughs> but no. it should. Because that's, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Like, no one could ever say to you, that's wrong. And have any supporting evidence at all because it does nothing negative it provides value for people who can listen to it i mean whenever anyone hears you playing piano you went at my parents house and you were playing when my aunt was up everyone just loved listening to it and it's like why can't people just do that as their job why yeah. can't people just make people happy it's it's interesting because i've there's there's this weird there's this just the there's this weird divide where you have to, it has to provide value and we're monetary value and we're starting to, there's a slow shift of all these things that are deemed work and that are deemed valuable are starting to move up a different, a higher tier of what you, you know what I mean? Where I think things are are getting automated creative works, creative work. Like hundred years, 200 years. Being a creative we'll is see. going to be your most valuable asset. I think it always has been, but I yeah. think the secret's just getting out. Well, the think about people all the, are just figuring all the, it out. All the people who have become billionaires and they were all the creatives. Steve Jobs. I mean, Steve Jobs. I wouldn't. I would. I don't want to say him as an inspiration because he was kind of nasty, but like he did his what he wanted, and he owned it. And I mean, when it's crazy because whenever I've done what I wanted to do creatively and really followed through and put work in. I've made a lot of money. Like when I, I, when I was younger, I made long boards in middle school. Yeah. I sold them and I would sell them and make over, over $500 per long board. And I, I bought the tools upright. But then after that, it was like, out of my second long board, I was making profit and, you know, using that profit, I, you know, and then when I was older, I started selling synthesizers, reselling synthesizers. And I mean, I worked jobs here and there, but just to make my parents happy, 
but now I make, I mean, when I was saying, I paid my first car off using just my by synthesizer resale. Reset buying and, and I selling. paid that off, that whole, it was a proper car. It was, you know, a few thousand dollars. Paid that whole thing off in like a few months. All from synth money. From resale. That's really impressive. And I was, I was eight, no, I was like 19. Mm-hmm. And I paid the whole thing off and, you know, it was good for my credit score. <laughs> but that kind of stuff, I mean, I don't think enough people know that you can just do what you want. Money follows hard work, whatever that hard work is. You go work in a, you know, bailing hay. It's hard work, but yeah, you get paid for it. It's hard work. You always get paid for hard work. And I think you know the capitalism part of that is you can get paid for even immoral hard work. You know, sex workers and really immoral stuff. And sometimes that hard work doesn't really truly get realized until you put it in. Like for me, or for anyone who's doing um practicing an instrument yeah that hard work is not realized that one sucks until like that one sucks i mean for i mean for me it's like it's still gonna be a year or two until i really hit this level of competency where i can yeah. i am proud to call myself yeah. a keyboardist musician pianist yeah i mean know? there's just so much to everything like at this point I mean, as i get older and more like I don't I don't feel fried from being a parent but like when you're a young person and you have to be realistic about stuff about about life like I can't just go move to Bristol anymore I can't just say all right guys we're moving I have so many people that depend on me now that the stuff I do I mean it's still crazy and it's still like not normal as far as like you know I'm gonna sell my idea for this invention and stuff versus going working at a coffee shop it's like yeah those are like legit things but i still have to be real about them but so they're crazy but they're still realistic yeah but i mean people just can't see that people don't really people are just so stuck in the race of like i need to work at a job that i don't like i don't know i mean there's a lot of movement going around nowadays that's trying to change that and i think that's you know thank god yeah Imagine, like, you know, if you were born five years, ten years earlier, and you really thought you had to work at some insurance company or something. Yeah. And you were like, it sucks. Right. That would suck. Because there would be not many people that would be supporting the change of not doing that. But I think even talking about mindset and even people in that situation know that they can change that. Or people in that situation have come to peace with themselves in terms of where they're at and ex- and accepting it and moving on. And like, and I think that's something that you were really good at doing as a father. Mm-hmm. And some things, just, you, some things you can't change. So we have to pick your fights. Can't change the fact that I'm a dad. And if I did, I wouldn't be happy with myself. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I just work from there. Things are what they are. It's, it's just like what you make of it. Really? Like, especially with music, like, yeah so many people think music oh, i gotta make what's popular gonna make like a drake type beat because i mean you're making you know. a book sort of about that yeah i'm writing a book on how to make music that you like and how to go to church better and stuff just i don't know i write i like reading and writing so i mean they might not be very good books but i'm still gonna write them <laughs> but i don't know i think it's super important to be i think to live a good life you just have to be able to express yourself properly because yeah. if people don't know how you're feeling no one's gonna be able to ever help you like, yeah, I mean, it's good to be able to be happy and stuff, but 
if you don't know how to ask for help in a proper way or just tell people how you're feeling, then it's yeah. going to suck. Like if you're an artist who really knows how to express yourself, like, I don't know, like Thundercat or something, the freedom you get, like everyone knows how he feels in that way. Yeah. You know, it's like everything's out in the open. He gets up on stage and he, he goes hard and he, you know, goes crazy. And it's like, that's years of work and self-expression that he's doing in front of 10,000 people. Is that something you'd want for yourself? Not that exact thing, but something similar to that. I mean, like I'd like to be on stage playing music I enjoy. Yeah. If there's five people, they're great. If there's 5,000 people, great. <laughs> I don't really do. I, I don't care about that. And even if there's no one there, even if I can just do that in my own studio, I'm happy with that, you know? And that's why I have success in music mm-hmm. because even the little successes are still success. And I'm always happy about those. So. Yeah. <sighs> Got some more uh, information in that you've dug up on me. I'm actually curious about your very beginnings and I want to know because you used to use a multi-track tape recorder, right? To make all your songs. Kind of. Kind My of. very first music beginning. Well, what or is like, it? Because I've, I've literally been using Ableton and FL Studio since uh, literally as far back as I can remember. My dad, and sometimes people don't believe me. My brother doesn't believe me on this one. But my dad had a PC when we were in Lansing, and it had music software in it, Cubase and FL Studio, I think. And he gave me a PC. This was back when YouTube was novel. Mm. It was like 2005, 2004 or something. And I would spend time on FL Studio because I thought it was fun. You know, just like making sounds and going through this. And I... I did that much more than I remembered. Like, we had video games, but I would spend a lot of time doing that. And I, you know, I played Zelda, but I mean, as, I, as far back as I can remember, I was always making music. I wasn't, I wasn't always recording it and releasing tracks. That only started when I was probably like 16. But like, I was always playing music. Always. And I, I mean, I can, I can't remember a time in my life where I wasn't doing that. So when people ask, like, when was the first bit? It's like, my whole life. I really don't know where to start because <laughs> yeah. I mean when you do something from the time you're born like I, I was literally in piano lessons in my mom's stomach she would go to MSU and they had these weird like baby piano lesson things so I've been doing piano since I was born so when people say when I say I've been playing piano for 20 years and be like so you've been playing it since you're one I'm like yeah that I have and like literally I really and as soon as I was old enough to take proper lessons I did so from the time I was born, I've been playing playing music. So when something's that core part of your world, it's like it's hard not to do it. So sometimes I blame my parents for wanting to go into music. <laughs> it's like yeah. you did this to me. <laughs> you better wow. support it. You know, you, what do you what happen? What do you think is going to happen when you you know you put your kid in piano lessons from the time they're born and they never stop? And your father ever oh, yeah, always having you crazy. listening. Always having you listen to, yeah. Oh God, what is it? Crimson, uh, Crimson King or King Crimson? King Crimson. From the time I was born, my dad always had a great taste in music. So I was always, I mean, I, I don't want to say I have an amazing taste in music, but like I have a very mature taste in music. That 
when people figure out what I listen to, they're usually surprised. Or, I mean, I've shown you a lot of music. Oh. <laughs> I, something, I, something I pride myself on is being able to show people new music. Well, even over the one year that we were KT Music, there are countless times where you're like, oh, have you heard of this band? I mean, have I you introduced you to Aphex one, didn't I? Yeah. And you'd probably say what well, he's one of your top artists. Oh, yeah, he's up there. Yeah, Floating Points. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean just, he must be someone that you see. Floating Points is probably it, one of my biggest inspirations. Yeah. And somebody to have him on the podcast would be like a dream come true. Not because he's just cool, but like the conversations we could have with him. Yeah. It's like the amount of stuff we could learn from someone like that. It's insane. But, yeah, I mean, I, it's strange because I'd listened to music since I was born, so it was never a novel to me. Like, this concept of good music. Whereas I know people that have been introduced to really deep music when they're older, they have this weird, high appreciation for music that I never really have, like, where they will stop and, like, actively, like, you you, you actively listen, you sit down and you listen to music, mm-hmm. which isn't something I'd, I mean, I've done, but I never really, th- I don't know, I guess I've always done it, but not really as much in the last few years because I've been so busy making it, but, like, it's, I don't often stop and just lay in bed in the dark and listen to music mm-hmm. as an experience. I used to definitely all the time. When I was younger, I definitely just used to do that. But, like, I when people figure out about quality music, that's really amazing. Like, figuring figuring out that you love floating points when you're, like, 17 to 20 yeah, is, like, is it's something great. It's something magic. I've seen people have that experience, Nathaniel and you, mm. where they just find music that, like, Wow this is crazy. And to just really, you know, to see them be changed by that kind of stuff is like, that's what I want to do with your Some, music, with or, my music. And yeah. as a person, like that, I'm doing what I want to do actively by showing people those, that, that music, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's all I want. If I can be one of the artists that they find out and they're like, wow, then great. But if I, if it's just showing them music that they love, that's just as good. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, to me, that's all the same. It's like music, good music's good music. If I can contribute to the world of good music, I'm happy. If not, I'm just gonna keep making it for myself. So, <laughs> that's powerful. Well, it's fun being on here as a guest. I'm never, I'm never on as like, I'm never the spotlight anymore. Well, I never really have been. I was occasionally when I did some interviews, but like being in the guest seat is kind of fun. Yeah. Nathaniel was here. It definitely brings a lot out of you to be the guest. Yeah. I. You must. It must. I mean. Especially when you have a lot of experiences about it. Like someone like Nathaniel or stuff, they haven't really gone through as much in a way. But I mean, like, they have and they haven't. I mean, we can. But I mean, do, we, we can work. Just look, we made we, this whole thing happen. We can just look through your whole track record just through this conversation, and I think yeah, one of the powerful things is that we can stick to talking. We could stick to talking about your music for this whole interview. Yeah. Simply because the breadth and depth of your musical life is so large. I mean, we could go through all my different albums real quick. What about uh, Jessica's diary? Jessica's journal. Je- yeah, journal. that was honestly 
mostly released to impress Jessica. I was like, check this out, you're on Spotify. That's and funny. We were dating. Yeah. And I made some songs about her and stuff. And that was one of the few times I sang in a nice. song. And I never done it again. Because my brothers will put it on Spotify. Are you considering and singing in the future? I think I might sing in our upcoming new project that we're going to do. I think yeah. I, I've been practicing a lot in the shower. Have you? <laughs> yeah. Jessica, I, what, Jessica what are you singing the, along to? I'm curious. Mostly Thundercat. Thundercat? Thundercat and Radiohead. Nice. Nice. I don't have the same voice as Thundercat, but I really like singing He's along to Radiohead. He's got that nice falsetto. Yeah. I usually don't sing it falsetto. I just sing it. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I have a very good falsetto, but I definitely sing. <laughs> definitely sing. In, I don't know. I think I have a good voice if I work at it. Sure. I think everyone does. Yeah. If, if you're realistic. Yeah, this was the conversation we had. Because, I mean, he's not going to say this, but there's a singer at my, parents, at my church that I go to, St. Simon's, Jason. He's a bad singer. Mm-hmm. He's, he sings in tune, but his voice is bad. And I don't think anyone's told him that. But if someone, if he was to figure out that the tone he's using was bad, he could change up. Mm-hmm. So I don't think anyone has a bad voice. I think you just need to know how to use it. He does not know how to use his voice. Mm-hmm. But if you listen to your voice in recording and you get proper feedback, it's like, it's like your voice is a color on a paintbrush, and you're mm-hmm. trying to make a painting. And you're not you, paint you think the wrong you think that yellow should just be everywhere. Yeah, exactly. It's like no, you're yellow. You need to be the sun, yeah. So you're going to be in, up in the top right. And I, I think because of the awareness I have of what you know, good, good singing sounds like, I think I'll be able to sing, work, work towards that, you yeah. know, or, or at least know my limits. Because yeah. I mean, everyone can sing in some level, you know. Anyone could do spoken word singing. That's pretty accessible, mm-hmm. like Mingus kind of stuff or gospel kind of singing, where they just kind of chant. Oh. Anyone could do that kind of stuff, but like to take it to the next level is like anything, and I'm I am excited to explore that because I've always wanted to do that. Because for me, for me, if there's anything I wish I could change about my childhood, I wish my parents put me in vocal lessons. I've always wanted to sing as long as I can remember, but I yeah. never had the self confidence. I don't know, not self confidence, but I never. Were you in choir in high school? I think I did. It I think one you were year in middle one. school. In middle school, I never did it again. Not because I didn't want to. I just. I just did other things. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It just didn't feel like it was focused enough on me. I didn't get enough out of it for me. Not not in, the, not in like a selfish sense. I was in like, more of like I did it because I wanted to learn how to sing. Yeah. And it was not vocal lessons. You didn't Let's feel like you out. actually got what you mm-hmm. wanted out of it. Not in middle school choir. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, like I'm not gonna learn school. anything. I just had fun with Bob. Yeah. So it was like. And that you was know, the last. I, I think actually, that was the last year he taught. It was, and he was one of the coolest people musically I'd met. He was one of the people that really convinced me to start making my own music. Mm. Now I couldn't really tell you exactly why, but I remember after that class, I started recording my own music. Nice. Which it was super random. I think it was just because he was such a nice guy, and I would come in there and I'd play piano. He was like, "You should record your own stuff" or something. It was something weird mm-hmm. interaction like that. But he's, you know, he was always just such a nice guy. And I think maybe when you're just nice, you bring out people's really. You know, they're true emotions or something. Yeah. And like, yeah. Because, I mean, like if I had a billboard that I could put anything on, mm-hmm. I'd probably just put a beautiful piece of art. Yeah. Because I think that speaks. I mean, at least for me, that I'm much better with, I don't know, I think when I see a beautiful piece of artwork or a song that's just beautiful and not driven politically or conceptually, like you listen to it and you're like, yeah, this dude clearly wants us to save the rainforest. 
Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm, I don't, that, that song sucks. You know, if he's just saying, save the trees, this is like, dude, you're missing the point. You but might if you as well just say, save the trees. and Yeah. Then just get your, you know, that's your point. Just say it, you know, put up a tweet. You know, yeah. It's just as good. Save the trees. But if you put up a beautiful picture, that's like, someone sees it and they're like, this is amazing. How did this get made? And then you look at the person and you realize, oh, they're living a really sustainable life. That's much more impactful. That's why I have issues with someone like Moby, who, I mean, he's a great guy and his music's all right, but like, he's very openly vegan and like save the animals and stuff. So much to the point where I, as someone who is in support of that, find it annoying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I am very in support. You, like, when it starts to animals. embody your identity more than it does I mean, he has the a actual tattooed on his cause. Arms. Like, like um, save the trees or something. Really? Save, like, vegetarian. And it's just like, like, dude. You think you it's ju- an ego thing or? I think it might be. I don't know. I think that's just weird. Like, I really am a supporter of better, the, you know, treat animals better, treat the environment better. But I do that by being a good person. And hopefully when people get. Well, you, you, you hope his intentions are in the right place, but you just. I don't know enough. That's what I'll say. I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know who. I know that Moby's it, a it's, musician. It's, it's like anyone who has a very open cause. Yeah. And they're very open about it and speaking about it. It's like, okay, but you're not doing that much. You, you are and you aren't. You know, that's, I guess it's not wrong. That's just not how I would approach it. Yeah. You, I would you just do be it, a good example of. You'd rather just do it. Yeah. Just do it. And if people care enough that they're going to care. They're going to find out. I think that's, that's a really important thing. Just, I mean, for me, why I've been so silent is I'm just doing, I'm just doing the work. Yeah, ex- I'm exactly. I'm just doing the work. And I think when you're super open about it, that's like when people at church are like very open about how much they donate. It's like, yeah, it's like, great. What's your point? It, yeah, it's, it's, it's it, should, it just should be for the work should be for you, for you, for the world. Yeah. For you, for the world. But you yeah, know. that's, you can only do what you can do. And if people like, if, if, like, for example, if I'm doing a really good job trying to be, you know, recycling and all that crap, someone comes over and they see me doing it and I'm not bo- boisterous about it and like, you should be recycling too. <laughs> you know, they're going to see that and like, that's, that's, that's cool. You know, Tommy's a good guy. He recycles and, you know, he does these things and it's like, maybe I'll give that a try. But yeah. I'm not going to push it in their face. That's, that's about you it. You can't change people. No, you can always show them a path. Show them by example is really... The way I try to live. Like, like, that's the same with everything. Like my, my, my drug use. I don't do anything that's unhealthy. Yeah. And if I do, I've learned from it. Yeah. You know, and I, and I really actually haven't. Like I've never, I haven't, I don't mess around too much with drugs. And if I have, it was, it's nothing intense. So. Yeah. How was a fa- How was a failure or a parent, a parent failure set you up for success? <laughs> I grow the most when I fail. And I think I think it goes along with how much positivity I have. You know, whenever I fail, I get more positivity than when I succeed. Yeah. In a, in a way because like I'm trying to remember the last time I really was like, damn, I failed that. Um Probably like when I forget to run in the morning or when I sleep in an accident. It, it's like, yeah, wow, I failed that attempt. But like, it really makes me look forward to doing it right the next day. Yeah. I think when you fail, there's a chance to succeed. Because when you succeed, 
This is just a chance to fail. Failure can always be can be zoomed out in the perspective. Yeah. And be seen as a as because a failure can be succeeding the real success. Exactly. Definitely. I mean, that that kind of question just seems so obvious to me that it's just like, when you fail, you only get a chance to succeed. When you go down, you can only go up. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you can fail again, but then it's just you you have more space to go up. So. Well, my hopes for you are that it's only up for sounds yeah, like especially for KT music. That's right. <laughs> and the podcast. Well, it was a real pleasure to have you on today. It was such a privilege. And we're, we're, we're in Tommy's own apartment. I'm Caden <laughs> yes. of KT Music. And I'm Tommy of KT Music and Sound Psychologist. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at KT Music 8. <laughs> it is KT Music 8. And follow both of us on Instagram, cadenskenda.sparrow. And I'm Sound Psychologist. One word. And our official page kt music official on instagram where you can get more updates or ktmusic.online yes everything's there yes that's a good site that is our website it is and all of our stuff and obviously these if you listen to this on spotify make sure you follow us make sure you check out both of our music We'll, we'll also be leaving some links i'd like to leave your link bandcamp link to litmus yeah your 2019 good release album So we'll do that. All right. This is it. This was a blast. See you later.